This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Early on in the pandemic, San Francisco Mayor London Breed was praised for her leadership. The new public health order that we're announcing will require San Franciscans to remain at home with exceptions only for essential outings. Her aggressive and early interventions to stem the spread of COVID-19 gained a lot of flattering media attention, including in The Washington Post, The New York Times, and The Atlantic. Mayor Breed listened to public health professionals, and it worked to her favor, especially in comparison to what we witnessed on the national stage. It's going to disappear. One day it's like a miracle. It will disappear. Now, San Francisco not only has one of the lowest case counts, but one of the highest vaccination rates in the country. But is the honeymoon phase over now that the city is facing a multitude of challenges as the economy reopens? I'm joined by Chronicle City Hall reporter Trisha Thadani, who explores the future of Mayor Breed's governance as she faces infighting from the city's Board of Supervisors. Will she be able to work as efficiently as she has been throughout the pandemic? Later, I'll chat with Desi Dengannon, the executive director of Cultivate Labs, a nonprofit economic development and arts organization in San Francisco. He shares what he thinks about the bureaucracy of City Hall and the impact it's having on business owners and residents across the city. First, I'd like to start with you, Tricia. How did Mayor London Breed's leadership change during the pandemic? Yeah, so because Breed is both the mayor of a city and county in San Francisco, which is something, you know, that's easy to forget that San Francisco is both the city and county and therefore the mayor has more powers than a normal mayor who's just the mayor of a city around the country would have. Um, She was given an extraordinary amount of emergency powers during the pandemic, which he still has, um, by the way, the emergency declaration has not been rescinded. Um, But these powers essentially, according like in the city charter, it literally says like the mayor can use these powers to move around funding personnel and whatever else she thinks is necessary. Um, So in city hall, this created a really interesting shift in the power dynamic. Um, Whereas before with the board of supervisors, um, they had a progressive majority over her. So they were often able to get a veto proof majority over, you know, over anything with the mayor. And now with these emergency orders, and especially as she was leading during the pandemic, you saw the board of supervisors kind of defer to her more um, than they would normally. And what were some of these emergency actions that she took and how were they were they well liked by San Francisco residents as a whole? Yeah. So the most visible one for the average San Franciscan walking around is those parklets that you're seeing everywhere. Um, the mayor was able to create this program called the Shared Spaces Program, which um, basically expedited the process for businesses to create these parklets. And, um, you know, as, as people have seen, these, uh, these structures, they often take up parking spaces, um, you know, they're on the sidewalks, et cetera. 
that's something that I, um, the mayor said that without her emergency powers, she doesn't think would have been able to pass muster with the board of supervisors. It's this that would have just been a really big uphill battle for the mayor to be able to fight uh, during normal times. And then how did city officials feel about having this kind of unparalleled power? Did they defer to her most of the time? What did that look like uh, during the pandemic? So obviously it was a really big shift for the Board of Supervisors. Um, I mean, but during the pandemic, they did have the ability to pass these emergency ordinances, which kind of cuts the timeline of passing legislation from what could be, you know, months into just one week. So that was a really substantial change for them, but it just could not stand up to the fact that the mayor had the ability to enact things immediately. So for them, if they wanted something, and especially in the face of such a fast-moving pandemic, the um, you know the strategy would be to like try and get it done through the mayor, who could just you know basically sign something and then it'd be done. Mm-hmm. And now that we've reached this stage of the pandemic, things are reopening. Are dynamics shifting now at this point? Yeah. So the mayor still does have these emergency powers, and she probably will for a couple more months until that order is just rescinded. Um, But yeah, I mean, you're definitely over the last couple of weeks, you're definitely starting to see um, kind of a a change back to how the thing, how things were, um, at least publicly. Um, you know, the mayor and the board uh, in the public eye were trying to keep the peace in a show of unity, uh, you know, in front of a very jittery public. Um, but now you can you've I've noticed them swiping at each other kind of in public meetings more than they normally were. We will not continue to conduct the business of the city in fear of bullying by people from the mayor's office. Now, I know there were a number of comments that were mentioned about me and my staff, President Walton, but those things could also easily be said about you as well. Now, before the pandemic, this was kind of a normal back and forth that we would see. Um, But it is interesting to see this dynamic returning and seeing the mayor basically get frustrated that her her legislation is getting questioned like this. I mean, are some of these back and forths due to just certain issues like the parklets like that you just raised. But we also know that there are some tensions in City Hall right now. You were part of the Chronicle team that broke news about Supervisor Aaron Peskin's questionable behavior, which, you know, led to him admitting himself into alcohol treatment. So there are just existing tensions at play. Is it really about certain issues like parklets or are dynamics just particularly tense right now? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of personal issues at play here. And and like you said, we we saw that over the last couple of weeks um, when Mayor Breed had accused supervisors of bullying her staff. She didn't like how they were being treated. And now, again, like these are things that weren't completely unusual before the pandemic. But right now it just takes on kind of a different meaning. And the stakes feel a lot higher as the city is coming out of this like catastrophic year. And then to see your um, and then to see your public officials kind of swiping at each other is not the best look for the public. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Mayor London Breed was able to enjoy a little bit of a honeymoon early on the pandemic being held up as an example of how to govern govern a city during a crisis. And it seems like now she has the opportunity to also show how to lead a city out of a pandemic and into recovery. What do you think her priorities are now and what will her authority look like moving forward? Her priorities, she'll say, are, are the same. You know, it's it's building more housing. It's 
getting more homeless people into housing and treatment that's right for them. Um, it's to addressing these quality of life issues and stuff like that. So, and as one political scientist who I spoke to said, you know, when a, when an executive is given this much power, it's kind of a hard genie to put back into the bottle. Um, mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to see how these dynamics play out where, you know, Breed was coming from this year where she could basically, you know, act unilaterally, unencumbered by the board of supervisors. But now, you know, it's kind of back to these old dynamics where she she needs them again. Well, great. Trisha, thank you so much for talking through your story with me and keeping your eye on City Hall and the mayor for us. Thank you for having me. We're going to take a short break, and then I'll talk to Desi Dangunen, who is the executive director of Cultivate Labs, a San Francisco nonprofit organization. He'll chat to me about Mayor London Breed's performance during the pandemic and what he thinks is needed at City Hall to move forward. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. We're back with Desi Dingunen, Executive Director of Cultivate Labs. First, Desi, tell us a little bit about Capua Gardens, which is located right near the Chronicle building. How did you start the project during the pandemic? Okay, so Capua Gardens is a pop-up art and healing space. It's located on Mission Street between 5th and 6th Street. And then when the pandemic hit, um, you know, a lot of our ideas for the space uh, were just like no longer legal. Like you couldn't gather people in large groups. And we decided to just pivot and and make it relevant and make it and and design it for what is happening with COVID-19 and how can we address some of the 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 ills of COVID-19 in our society with Capo Gardens. And how easy was that to do? And what sort of measures did the city or Mayor London Breed do that helped propel the project forward? I mean, it was not easy. Uh, you know, during this time, you know, the city started to kind of shift priorities on what to do with public space. Um, but there is a very strong sentiment here in Soma that we are the dumping ground for the unhoused. And we just have way too much concentration of the unhoused, particularly here on Mission and Six. And uh, we brought this forth to uh, Supervisor Matt Haney. And we said, hey, there are some other city departments that are looking to take away this space from us. Uh, we know that the community does not want this to be a safe camping, a safe camping site. Uh, and we have a better idea of what to do with it. And then he fought for us and made sure the the other city agencies that were looking to take it away from us backed off. And, you know, our concept for Capo Gardens is to turn it into a COVID recovery site, one that addresses mental, physical, and the economic effects of COVID. So we totally designed the site with that premise, and we wanted to build it right away because this isn't something that would have to wait for like two years. It's something that needs to just happen now. And it took a really long time for the city to give us the go-ahead. I would imagine trying to start any sort of project or business during the pandemic would have been hard regardless. But, I mean, were there things that the city did or even Mayor London Breed did that seemed effective? Because we just talked to our Chronicle reporter, Trisha Thadani, about how nimble she was during this time in terms of being a leader and moving things forward with parklets, for example, to allow businesses to continue during the pandemic. Were there things that she did that helped your project or was that really just sort of the 
advocacy that you got from Supervisor Matt Haney? Well, you know, it goes across the board and, and making a project like this uh, happen. It doesn't just work from the top. You got to work from the middle, too, with uh, the agencies who who make these uh, projects happen. So, you know, there's many hands on, in the table and in the machine making it uh, go forward. But uh, City Hall is a gigantic bureaucracy. And sometimes one tentacle of the octopus doesn't know what the other tentacle is doing and will get in the way. Mm. And... Some of the quality of life concerns that I know are of top priority for Mayor Breed affected Capo Gardens. Is that right? Well, I think quality of life affects everyone in San Francisco, um, but in particularly here in like uh, District Six, you know, we're, we're super impacted uh, by quality of life issues. You know, we've had issues of you know the unhoused encampment and creating encampments uh, on our fence and then attracting, unfortunately, rats. Um, but you know. The quality of life challenges that we face uh, here in San Francisco, you know, they're accelerating. Crime is a is a huge issue now. Um, you know, we've had break-ins at Coppa Gardens, um, documented ones. Our security cameras catch them. And the most frustrating thing about these burglaries is that SFPD doesn't do anything about them. You know, they actually have the burglars in the space. And they don't make the arrest. They let them go. Then, you know, most recently, last week, uh, we had another break-in. Someone broke into our our bus that is like our office space. We were able to get the, the perpetrator out of the space. We called the police. You know, they don't show up. Uh, an hour later, um, he's still outside of Coppa Gardens. He's like 20 feet away. He's chilling. He's, he's like, he's wearing the staff uniforms he stole from us. And uh, I posted about this on my personal Instagram, you know, because I'm so so frustrated with the situation. I mean, obviously, Mayor Breed has to grapple with a lot of different issues right now that overlap. But obviously, businesses like yourself have to get off the ground. And some of these quality of life issues are making that very hard. Are there specific things that you wish Mayor London Breed could do right now. Right now, she still has her emergency powers in place. Are there things that you wish she could do to help move things faster right now? See, this is a very tricky question. Because I know that the quality of life issues here in San Francisco, um, it's not black or white. And it's very, very complex. You know, the distribution of wealth in San Francisco is unequal. You know, it has... Housing prices and rent prices have increased. We found more people falling into the streets. So one of the things that I think uh, Mayor Breed needs to do with her emergency powers is she needs to build more housing. You know, we need to put people back into housing because that is one of the basic core things uh, in, in, in human society and human behavior is that we need to have shelter. If we don't have shelter, we're not going to fix any of the mental health issues some of the uh, unhoused have and the drug-related issues. Once we have them housed, then we can provide supportive services. Mm-hmm. I mean, what if you had to give a letter grade to Mayor Lendon Breed for how she performed during the pandemic, what would you give her? I would definitely give her a pass. <laughs> no letter grade. No letter grade. Pass or fail. Okay, yeah. so she passes. She definitely passes. Okay. I mean, in reality, if you think about it, she was dealt a very bad situation. Like any leader going into this crisis, you know, is is 
is really a test of leadership. And she held the city together. The real test now is she held it together. Now it's how do you kind of rebuild the city going forward? Because we already know before the pandemic, something was not right. We were given this opportunity to pause and reset and rebuild. Are we going to just rebuild it the same way it was before? Or are we going to do it better? Or, God forbid, do we do it worse? And I know that some of the goals that you have with Kapwa Gardens and other things that you've helped lead is to help you know, create a community space that's safe and inviting for populations that have been pushed out, you know, the Filipino population and other other communities of color that have faced, you know, the downsides of gentrification. Do you think that those goals are still achievable or are some of these larger issues that you've brought up, crime, homelessness, housing, all these different things, can that all be done at the same time? So our goal with Kappa Gardens and our nonprofit Cultivate Labs is to really turn economic development on its head and and help marginalized communities like the Filipino community, African-American community, the Latinx community, any other community that's marginalized and is facing displacement through economic disruption, uh, push back and make it work for them. And so we're going through this grand experiment of developing a Filipino cultural district in the shadow of Tech 2.0. But a lot of those assumptions of how the world would work are not, we don't know if they're valid. We don't even know if the shadow of tech is now going to be the issue going forward because everyone's big question is, are they going to come back? We don't know yet. You know, it's been, it's only been a couple of weeks. Um, But I do believe we do have a chance to stem the tide Um, only because we have a great city government. I complain so much about them because I love our city government so much. It's like it's like <laughs> family. Because like there is no other city government out there in America that is way, willing to place these crazy bets on communities, you know. Mm-hmm. So at least we have the government on our side. Well, thank you Desi for talking to me about your experience. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'd like to thank my guests, Trisha Thadani and Desi Dengunin. You can find Trisha's story about Mayor London Breed online now at sfchronicle.com. Special thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode and to you for listening. Mm-hmm.